Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous, episode 42. I elect that we call this episode Life, the Universe, and Everything. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm Erin. And I'm Shannon. And we're here not to talk about Life, the Universe, and Everything, but we're here to talk about books, which are sometimes Life, the Universe, and Everything to other people. If they are. They can be. Um, and we did get a listener mail to answer Woo-hoo! our last month's book question, which was, what is your favorite genre of books, genre or genres of, of books? And we do have another question, which we'll end the podcast with, and Shannon will talk about that. But um, before we get into what we read, I want to talk about our listener mail, which was from Kathy. Um, she first says that she did read part of A Little Life, but she could not finish it. And now after our talk in the last podcast, she's not sure if she wants to finish it. Um, I wouldn't. And I wouldn't wouldn't, uh, bother. So that's what we say to that. Um, Of course, it was like a month ago when she sent us this email, so she may have already finished it by now, but I wouldn't bother. Uh, the question of the month to uh, what genres does she enjoy most? She has to say that her psychological, her genre that she enjoys most is psychological thrillers. Um, she enjoys books like Dennis Lehane and, um, some other folks like Samantha Hayes and Mary Kubica, Kubica. It's like I've heard of this author before, but I don't I know how to, to pronounce her name. C U B B I C A. I'm going to say Cubica because it just sounds better than Cubica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm just wrong on all those counts. Um, and she likes book where, books where nothing is as it seems to be when you start. And she also loves the, co- the law and courtroom drama. And I hate those because I argue with them. But um, she likes to learn about the strategy lawyers use to present, to defend. Uh, or present a case. And she says she wanted to go to law school, but she ended up not doing that. So um, she likes legal fiction, and she also likes true crime. Um, She likes John Lescart and uh, Richard North Patterson's books. Um, And so that was our question. And she says she does not like romance and sci-fi, which... Wait, that's what this podcast usually focuses on. So I think that's a message to us that we need to broaden our focus just a hair. (laughs) Uh, And um, we'll talk about ways of doing that in the future. She also gave us some book recommendations, which we will put in the pot and see what comes out. I think that we need to read a nonfiction book soon. Uh, Not this month, but soon, probably. Yes. And so we'll consider some of the things that Kathy's put forward. Um, and, um, if you have any book recommendations or author recommendations or want to answer our email question, please either go to our website or, um, email us and we'll talk about how to do that more towards the end of the podcast. But, um, let's start out by talking about our, uh, reads for this month. You want to start out by talking about yours? Sure. Um, I feel like I read after I read a little life, um, I 
was definitely, um, I, I, I feel like I didn't read a whole lot that was very substantial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read, um, for the book club that I'm, that I'm in, um, Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did like it. Mm-hmm. But um, we didn't, you didn't really tell me much about Life After Life. I don't feel like you mentioned oh, it last time. Did I not? Okay, maybe I didn't. So Life After Life is about a, um, a woman who, like, it, it starts out, she was born, but there's a cord wrapped around, the cord, the umbilical cord is wrapped around her neck, so she dies. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and then it goes back, so she's born, and this time the doctor came, the doctor saved her, and she didn't die. And she keeps, um, this woman keeps, like, having, living all these different lives, and she has to make different choices to, you know, wow, keep from dying. Um, and it's fa- it was really fascinating, because, like, there's... Um, I kind of felt like it was, I was never really sure what she was trying to say about like whether things are just fated to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of her lives are really good and some of them are just kind of like, um, but it's, it's just interesting to see how like the different people that she interacts with, um, that how they, uh, change like depending on on what her life is like like sometimes her mother is just sort of kind of evil mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes she's just more snarky um and you know some her love affairs are always a little different and um there's this really really powerful section in the middle of the book where she's talking about living in London during the blitz wow and um and then there's like a there at one point because she can remember bits from her previous lives um, and she said that she, um, or at one point she, she like, it all sort of starts to get to her. So she decides that what she's going to do is go kill Hitler. But then, mm-hmm. you know, like, then we have, like, we skip to another life. So it's like, well, hmm, did that work or not? Like, <laughs> this appeared to have. <laughs> so, um, it was, it was like, I don't generally I felt like the ending was a little ambiguous and I'm not generally a fan of that, but, um, I did really enjoy the, the narrators, uh, um, like the voice of the, the main character. And I thought like, it was like wrestling with some interesting questions that maybe don't exactly have clear cut answers. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really cool. Uh, let's see. I read The Turn of the Screw by Henry James, which I read because it was discussed on another book podcast that I follow. I was, I've been going back through their old episodes and reading mm-hmm. um, some of the story, the books they they feature so I can, you know, kind of keep sure. up with discussion. And I read the version on Audible narrated by Emma Thompson, and I highly recommend that because... She's an excellent actress, and she, mm-hmm. like, really made it a lot. I, I think it, like, the version on Bard is very dry. Mm-hmm. Also, it's read by a man, and that story is about a woman who may or may not be crazy. So that might be a good book mm-hmm. for Kathy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but get the audible version narrated by Emma Thompson. Um, it's definitely well worth it. 
Um, and then I read um, my nonfiction read this month has been um, something called The Run of His Life, The People versus O.J. Simpson, which mm-hmm. was based one of the things that they based the ESPN documentary that was that came out recently um, about O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. is partially based on that. And the guy that wrote it was very heavily involved with the case. He wasn't one of the lawyers, but he was a journalist that has a legal background. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I would recommend that for Kathy because it is not what I would think of as true crime. But there is definitely a lot of focus on the courtroom. And, like, he's very even-handed. He's like, you know, this is the part where the prosecutors... Um, like, you know, he points out that they didn't, that, like, Marsha Clark was, uh, like, very passionate, but she kind of needed a steadying hand, and she didn't really have that, so mm-hmm. she, like, wasn't very organized, and that probably hurt them. And, and then, like, you know, he says that, like, the defense, they, none of them actually believed that he was very innocent, <laughs> but but they you know, they, they were here to defend a celebrity client, so, you know, they, they kind of made it into, like, all this, this circus and talking about the, you know, that there were legitimately problems with, like, between the LAPD and the black people living in Los Angeles, and they just kind of exploited that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, well, after you had a, a jury that's been, like, sequestered for over a year... I'm sure by the end of that whole thing, they were just ready to be done. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, I it's fascinating. And um, it was written shortly after the case, like, after the, the case ended. Um, so, it's kind of interesting reading it 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Because there's definitely, like, it, and we all remember Cato Kalin's way of speaking. And I'm like, I yes. don't remember Cato Kalin's way of speaking remember particularly. Either, but whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'll I, like I'm too lazy to go YouTube it, but mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> but um, so and the only thing I don't like about it is that the the this is something I got on Audible, and the guy that narrates it is um, he's like I feel like every sentence that he he says, it, whether the text does or not, he seems to feel like it needs to end at an exclamation point. Uh. So he sounds way too excited to be talking about all this. Oh, my gosh. Maybe he's just trying to make it interesting. Maybe he feels like it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I, not. It's like mm-hmm. the text does not need any help from him. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Are there any and other I, books you want to mention? And then, like, one, the last thing I'll mention is that uh, this sort of relates to um, the, the my question at the end of the podcast. I I found out that I have a an upper limit of the uh, amount amounts of books I can read by <laughs> certain authors because I reached it. Oh. <laughs> um, I read a, a series of books that are on Kindle by an author named C.L. Stone, and they are, it's called the Ghost Bird series, and basically it is young adult soap opera slash mystery slash thriller um, with a heavy dose of romance. And they are, the, ba- the basic premise is that, that this girl moves into a new town, like, like they do in young adult books, mm. and she meets these boys, and, these, and they're all, like, very different um, young adult male romantic lead type of stereotypes. You've got, like, the, 
you got your jock, you got your nerd, you got your um, sensitive artist, and mm-hmm. um, anyway, there are like seven of them, <laughs> and uh, she she meets them and kind of they sort of take her in under their wing, um, but they are part of a kind of secretive organization that that um, is not entirely clear what they do, but they you know except that they're generally they help people. <laughs> Um, and they, like, and this girl, just everything that can possibly go wrong with, in her life happens to her over the course of these books. And they're, they're very, very readable. Um, I think the first book was free on Kindle Unlimited, so Mm. I got it, plus the audible narration, and then I was like, well, now I gotta keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, um, and they're, like, they, they're kind of based on... Like it, it's pretty clear that the author takes some inspiration from anime, which is not something that I'm like. Their characters aren't Japanese, but they're but like she uses a lot of I guess anime tropes, mm-hmm. um, which is not something I'm like super familiar with. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but then after a while, it just got to be a bit like you know I read there are ten of these books out now, and I read them all. And Ooh. it was they're like not. They keep getting progressively longer, um, but mostly I could read them, read each of them in about a day. Um, and they then by the end of it, it was just like, um, like what started out being kind of fun and cheesy and over the top. <laughs> by, by the end, I realized I'd read too many because the things I used to find sort of charming <laughs> were now really grating on my nerves. I've had so, that. Yeah, I, I know what you mean by that. I think I might have to, I think we might be done. <laughs> <laughs> this love affair has ended. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a similar experience. I read a book in high school, and it was like one of my favorite books of all time. And I reread it in college, and I still loved it. And then I reread it again a couple of years ago. It may have been last year. And I just, it all got, everyone got on my nerves in the book, and it was not the same anymore. It was very disappointing. So I, I kind of know what you mean, even though the whole threshold thing is a different, you know, a different idea, but it's like certain books yeah. after a while, but it, they can it lose does, their charm. Like, you know, you get to see, like, if, if you read, um, like, that many books by an author, mm-hmm. at least I do, I start to notice all of their tics. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when they, like, in this case, they're all Kindle Kindle published books, so I'm not entirely sure that anybody ever looked at looked at it to do any kind of copy editing. All right? Oh so gosh. Be, Uh-oh. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like there were blatant like errors that spell check should have caught, but there were things like, um, like where she would sometimes use a word like into when she meant onto or something like that. You know, like mm-hmm. just really like small things that that like every time I would every time I would run across them I just want to correct her <laughs> yeah I actually was reading these books and I don't even remember who the author was or whatever actually I do there were books about a werewolf pack it's very embarrassing it was like this werewolf romance thing and mm-hmm. I know that I read way I read like three of them and I think part of the reason that I did that was because I was interested. I had just gotten the Kindle app 
And so right. I was like, okay, these are free. I'm going to read them. And uh, the author of these books, like, spelled a person's name wrong. But spell check would not have caught it because it was still a name. Right. Uh, and she would use, like, the wrong preposition. But, or she would spell form instead of from. Just things that spell yeah, check wouldn't yeah, catch. Yeah, that, that kind of... That kind of stuff too. What what this lady did that I kept that I kept noticing because it happened in every book. It's like if I were playing a drinking game, I'd get super wasted. Mm-hmm. It was that she would like you know she wanted to say that her face like you know heated up because she was blushing, but what she said was my face radiated. <laughs> <laughs> like so, after a while, I'm like maybe she's radioactive. I know you know so how do you how would you know? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Um, so what about so you? We'll switch to my books. Um, I've read, I've started this trilogy, and these books are like book crack. So I'm into the second one. I started it like two days ago, um, read the first one really fast. I'm reading the second one, and I may be done by tonight. Like, you know, I'm saying they're crack. And mm-hmm. I just love, love these books. Um, the author is Devin Monk, a she Devin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad, but like I have a cousin named Devin and he's a guy. Right. And so this is a, a female Devin, um, Devin Monk. And um, the trilogy is the House Immortal trilogy. Uh, and it's on Bard because it was put on Bard as all all three books read by Aaron Jones put together. They've been doing a lot of this lately, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and it's about this girl named Matilda, this woman named Matilda, who does not need rescuing by the hero in the book, by the way, which is just awesome. Uh, is she awesome. she is her own, I mean, her own fighter and her own person, very much so. Uh, but Matilda has lived on a farm all of her life and realizes that she's um, she's stitched together in pieces, like her body has stitches running all over it. And her brother told her, and she, I mean, which is true, that when she was eight, she was really sick, and her other body died of some kind of mysterious illness. So her brother transferred her personality into this stitched-together body um, of an eight-year-old girl and that was in their father's basement or something, because their father was conducting all these illegal medical experiments and stuff. Or, well, no, medical experiments for other people. And he had this stole the body illegally and took it. And we don't know why yet. But um, what her brother didn't tell her was that um, this body happens to be immortal. So she can't die. Like, I mean, the body itself is pretty indestructible. And so as the book goes on, she finds out that there are other people like her in the world. And the world itself has changed because it's like 300 years from now. And these 12 different houses, or maybe 11, I'm not sure, each associated with a different color, control all of the world's resources. And um, she ends up, at the end of the first book, uh, I mean, they lived in relative isolation. So she ends up going to find her brother who's in prisons, imprisoned held captive someplace, and she doesn't know where. So that's kind of like her quest for the first book, and it takes her into all these high places, basically. Um, and the series goes on. There ends up being some time travel involved, which I haven't gotten to yet, so I can't really talk about it. Um, but, I mean, I read the first book and immediately went on to the second book. 
Uh, and there's like romance and sci-fi and all the things that Kathy doesn't want to read, but that I love. So what more could you <laughs> want, right? Um, and so it's really, they're really fun. They're easy to read. They're each about 330 pages, which is to me just like the right length for a book. Yeah, that is the perfect um, length for a book. And they're pretty page turny. Um, pretty much page turners. Uh, I, I love the two-headed guy that's in the book. It's really, I mean, like, and he's one of these mutant people. Like, I guess he's two people in one body, but with two heads. And oh. <laughs> things have mutated, you know, so there's, like, mutant people walking around. So no one thinks it's funny that he's got two heads. They're just like, oh, then you mean the two-headed guy? Like, well, whatever. <laughs> It's just so weird. Right. It's just so funny. So, um, yeah, well, but his heads are very different people. So they disagree with one another and they argue with one another. It's like two people in one body. It's just so funny the way she um, put that together and, and was very sensitive about the fact that he is really two people, even though he's in, you know, like they didn't separate correctly or something and he's got one body. Um so that's, I mean, it's a really, it's a really uh, fun book. And I'm not sure why my Braille display is not behaving correctly. I don't know what's going on with it. I'm not sure what books I decided to consider next. I think, though, that the next book I wanted to talk about was The Bus People by Rachel Anderson. Um, and this is a book that, it's for children. It's for grades five to eight, but what the hell, you know? Um, oh, yeah, I had just read a really um, intense book by Philippa Gregory that I'll talk about in a minute, and I didn't want anything really substantial. Uh, and so I read this book. This was, um, it's really interesting. It's about a bus driver of like a, a minibus that takes these mentally disabled children to school every morning. And it's not really so much about him taking them to school, but it's about their lives. So each little chapter in the book is a vignette about one, or in some cases, two of the children that ride the bus. And these children are very severely mentally delayed. So some of them can't even speak. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them has Down syndrome, and she's like, I don't know, she's 15, but she is kind of like stuck at five. Um, And her story is really heartwarming um, because she was going to be a bridesmaid at her sister's wedding. This is a really sad story. Um, And her parents wanted her to be the bridesmaid. And her sister wanted her to be her her maid of honor and hold her train for her. And she was all excited. She was going to wear the pink dress. And then basically her mother's family convinced her mother that it wouldn't be good for her to be seen in public as a bridesmaid in that capacity. So she's basically stuck with cousin Roger sitting behind a pillar. So she can't be seen by the other congregants, you know, in the church and they wouldn't let her be a bridesmaid. It was so sad. Oh, and, um, so, and, and the book, it has some sadness in it, but it has some goodness too. It also has some really heartwarming scenes. Um, and, uh, I remember, just remember her story in particular, the relationship between her and her sister was really, really special and really portrayed very well. Um, so I had a soft spot for this book and I want to treat it for a while because I rode one of those minibuses as a child, uh-huh. um, going to the, um, well, it wasn't the blind school, but it was like the public school in the county that had the special resources for the disabled kids. And so we had all kinds of disabilities. Like some of us, it went from kids who couldn't walk to kids who were very mentally delayed um, and to others who were learning disabled, uh, who went to another school, but we picked them up too. And it, 
I just remember the bus driver I had, and he was like kind of similar to the bus driver in this book, really good hearted and loved his kids and always wanted to have this route um, because he was just that kind of just good natured person. Um, And so that was really um, a fun, very short read um, for, for me. Um, I don't, I think I'm going to change it out. I was going to discuss another book, but I'm going to just forego that. The Philippa Gregory book was called The Taming of the Queen. And she has written a book about, I think, every one of Henry VIII's wives. And I think I've read most of them and also a couple of his mistresses. And I think I've read most of them, like I said, uh, cause I just love them to death. And I just, that era of history has always fascinated me a lot. I mean, if what you think today we're in the midst of conspiracy and scandal and political upheaval, just go back to uh, 15th, 16th century England. Uh, so the, um, the book itself was very typical of all of her books, but it was about Catherine Parr, who was Henry VIII's last wife, basically waiting for him to die because he was sick and um, very, very fat. I mean, he was so fat that, I mean, not to be insensitive, but they talk about it in the book. It was a big part of the book. He couldn't walk well. He had to be carried in litters most places he went. Um, And by the end of the book, he couldn't walk at all. He was like in a wheeled chair um, because he couldn't support his own weight. And it was very, I thought the book was wonderful. Um, Catherine Parr grew into her own. She was the first female published writer in England, which I did not know. I mean, wow. And so um, she grew into her own writer. She was also a passionate reformationist. What do you call that? A person who wants religious reform, ref, religious yeah. reformer, but that's not quite the same thing. She was a passionate reformationist. And so there's this big struggle in. Um, the book between those people who want the Church of England to be more Lutheran, dare I say, and those people who want it to be more traditionally like the Catholic Church had been. Uh, and that plays a big role in the book. And so I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fairly accurate, like most of her books are. Uh, and very much, um, you know, Catherine Parr was married to this this multifaceted elderly well he was his body was elderly because he just worn it out with excess basically right um but she also started to appreciate how you know very multifaceted and and dare i say manic her husband was um and you know he appreciated her one minute and then the next minute he didn't i wonder if he really did have some kind of manic disorder <laughs> now that well, i it sounds like, like, like read it more could and be more fairly likely <laughs> yeah anyway uh but that that aside i i just i loved it I love all of her books. So whenever I get one, it's just like, snap it up. Um, And my nonfiction read of the month was, or is, because I'm almost finished with it, but not quite. I have two nonfictions going, but the one I want to talk about is um, a book called The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Um, Shonda Rhimes is the creator of Grey's Anatomy, and she has this book Um, that talks about her life a couple of years ago when she wanted, she just decided she wanted to make some big changes in her life, spend more time with her family, um, care for herself more, do more things that she cared about. Um, And so she said she was going to take a whole year and say yes to things that scared her. 
And so it was, it's a very, um, it's fun. It's very conversational. Uh, and it's also read by Aaron Jones, who can read almost anything in the world you would ever want. I have a big reader crush on her. So um, all those things make it uh, a very bearable memoir for me to read. Sometimes I have trouble with memoirs, but I really enjoy this book and I'm about finished. So I would encourage anyone who wants to make changes in their lives or has goals that they're, they want to attain to pick it up and read through it for her own story about how she did the same thing. All right, we will do the news, which has vanished from my computer, but that's okay. Um, let's talk about some movie news. There is a guy in New York City who is a burgeoning film director. I think this is going to be his first film from what I understood. He was an actor, a writer, and now a director. And he's going to take on, he's going to take on J.D. Salinger. Uh, and the book that was published about his life is being made into a movie. It's called Rebel in the Rye, <laughs> of course. Oh. Um, and it's going to be made into a movie. Um, it was published in 2010. It's going to come out within the next couple of years, I think. Uh, and it's all about J.D. Salinger's young life, especially his struggles in school and his writing of The Catcher in the Rye and how his early life influenced the book uh, itself. So I think it's mostly about his early life. Uh, so that's going to be coming out in the next few years, a couple years, I think. In movie news... I just put this in here because it was funny. It's not really book-related, although there are comic books about Ghostbusters. But the Ghostbusters reboot is coming out soon, and I'm not really thrilled about it. But I don't think many other people are thrilled about it either because Ghostbusters reboot toys and action figures are already on the clearance rack, and the movie isn't even out yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe the problem with that is that... Um they put the toys and action figures out too soon? I'm wondering if that's part of the problem. I think they, um, put, they put the trailer for the movie out too soon as well, and so now people hate it even before they've seen it. Yeah. And with a movie that's so iconic like Ghostbusters, I would almost have had like no trailer, because you don't want preconceptions that you're going to hate a remake yeah. of a movie. And, and that, that's kind of how they, they, they haven't marketed this well at all because, you know, the, the big controversy, of course, is that they they rebooted Ghostbusters with an all-female cast. And so, mm -hmm. you know, now you have people on the internet being like, oh, blah, 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 you ruined my childhood, you know, by yeah. making all these characters women. And I just think that, like, reboots are already a thing that people are tired of anyway. Right. Um, but... You know, and I don't, I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I think, you know, I, I think it could be fun to have an all-female group of Ghostbusters. And it's not taking away from the original movie to do it, but it just kind of seems like you're right. Like, they, they put out way too much hype way too soon. And I'm mm -hmm. not even really sure when it's coming out. But I don't know either. <laughs> but I am also tired of hearing about Ghostbusters and I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll go off clearance. Maybe the movie will do better than we think. I, I just I just don't know. I'm I'm not that enthused because I in the trailers that I've seen, I just don't think the acting looks good and the writing really sounds very good. Yeah. Either. And so I think that that for me is what's killing it, rather than an all female cast. I mean I don't I don't care one way or the 
the other. I mean, it's fine, but I'm already tired of reboots. The trailer looks like it just acting and writing isn't very good, and I'm just not that enthusiastic about it. Um, in any event, moving on with toys, uh, Scholastic Publishing is partnering with the American Girl doll from Mattel Division. Uh, and American Girl is kind of like modern Barbie, but not really. It's like a doll, and they put out dolls. They have special dolls each year that come out. Uh, and they Scholastic is going to be the book publisher for the books that are going to go along with these dolls. There's going to be a book that comes out, well, actually, four books a year, because I think they're doing it quarterly, that it's going to be like Babysitter's Club for Dolls. I mean, it sounds like, in yeah. a way, it's like the, the <laughs> dolls are going to be out and the books are going to be talking about the lives of these of these girls in doll they form. They used to be like based on history. Yeah. I remember that when I was when I was was a girl that's what they the ones I read were. I don't um, think they are I, anymore. I think they're based on modern life more so than history now, I think. I I do know that you that I walked into one of those stores and they they're just like have you ever been inside one of the American girl stores? No, I haven't. They are huge. Like, like it's a warehouse type of space. Wow. And you could spend, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars easily, like, on one doll. Like, Yeah, like I knew that they, I mean, and, yeah, I know that they're really expensive and they have, like, accessories and all kinds of stuff that goes with them. But I'm not sure if they're based on history anymore. And I do know that they do that they will do like dolls of different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if they do any that are disabled. It might be kind of fun if they did. Um, but you know, I know that that you know it's not just a matter of like you could have an Asian one or you could have a African American one or a biracial. Mm -hmm. You know, so like whatever, what whoever the little girl is, she can find something. Mm -hmm. that's like herself and I yeah. think that's really cool I think that's cool too I never had one um they came I out either because they're they, <laughs> expensive yeah they're expensive and they also came out a little bit after I went through my doll phase <laughs> so they they came out after I was like 11 or 12 and I yeah. wasn't really interested anymore anyway so, um, but yeah, but, but I, I have heard of them. I know about them. I just, I've never been to the store and I think now they're, they're not really doing so many historical dolls as they are doing like a modern era dolls every year, but I could be wrong. So any mother out there who wants to correct me, feel free to do that. <laughs> um, because you know, I just don't know. Um, speaking of com publishers, uh, Europa has created um, an indie bookseller scholarship uh, for Frankfurt, um, this Frankfurt uh, convention that they're having. It's a, an Italian publishing company, and they are creating scholarships for American indie authors to come to Frankfurt for this book convention that they're having, I think it's towards the end of the year. Um, and this company is, is sponsoring it. Um, and I think it's um, indie publishing. The convention is coinciding with the release of uh, two books by, I think her name is Helena Ferrante, an Italian author uh, mm -hmm. who's re releasing a couple of books next uh th later this year and so the convention coincides with that hastings entertainment has gone bankrupt 
Uh, Yeah, I know. It went bankrupt, and now it's selling its assets. Um, There was a bankruptcy hearing last week, and they are having trouble finding a buyer for Hastings. And so uh, Hastings is being given a few more days to find a buyer. Prospective buyers included folks like Hachette, Scholastic, Penguin Random House, and all those folks, but they're just, I guess they haven't all quite decided what they want to do. And so Hastings is waiting uh, for that buyer to turn up and they're being given an extra, I guess, week to find a buyer. So by the 18th, we should know who the buyer is and they'll start up all the proceedings. I think it's the 18th to uh, 18th of July to get that uh, put in place. Poor Hastings. And also there is a novelist that... Um, wrote books in Tamil and I'm not going to pronounce his name because I can't <laughs> but he, he was uh, from India and he wrote books in one of the provinces where they primarily speak Tamil and the books are he's very critical from what I understand of the Hindu religion and so last book he put out and I kind of want to read these if they're translated in English I would very much like to read them the last book he put out was about a woman uh, who goes to a Hindu ritual in which I guess they all have like you know coitus with one another or something oh and and she goes because she wants to get pregnant and that's her reason for going to the ritual every you know he got hate mail and tweets and all this kind of Facebook stuff from all these people, from all these people who were Hindu that were very upset that he critiqued the Hindu religion in this way um, and treated it in this way. And he basically um, was put, a lawsuit was filed against him for that. And last year he stopped writing. Uh, The judge has come out with a judgment from the lawsuit and he was silenced by national pressure but the judge has stated that basically he won the suit and he should not be robbed of his right to self-expression uh by you know and and basically his what we would call in america free speech rights should not be limited uh and it was unconstitutional basically according to the indian constitution for for him to be silenced so basically the judge says go on writing uh, and I, I'm sorry that I can't pronounce his name. Uh, my braille display also isn't showing his name because it's not acting quite correct. I'm having oh. these technical problems. So, you know, I'm putting the link in the show notes. You can find his uh, name and the uh, story, a link to the story. But I thought that was a very powerful thing and a very good thing to have happen. Uh, now we're done with the news. And so we should talk about we should more talk Asian people. About more Asian people. Exactly. Talk about the Flower Drum Song by C.Y. Lee, which was our book for last time. And it was only eight hours long. It was not 38 No, hours. it was not 38 <laughs> hours long. It was only eight. And um, I will start with you, because I've been talking for ages. So um, what did you think of the book? Um. I don't know. I'm very (laughs) torn because on the one hand, like I thought that that particular glimpse of Chinatown kind of, it sounded like it was in the early fifties. Like it's not one that I'm super familiar with. And I thought that that part was fascinating. Um, Mm -hmm. There were definitely parts though, that like, um, I'm not, I was, didn't really like any of the characters yeah i i thought that they were all fairly terrible people (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, and I don't, and I'm not entirely sure. I didn't, I wanted to do some Googling and see if I could, what I could find out about C.Y. Lee. Because, like, you know, there's definitely, like, this sense sometimes when you're reading books that are, that I think are supposed to be funny. Or, like, you know, I'd rather be laughing with the characters and not at them. Mm -hmm. And I got the distinct impression that we were meant to be laughing at these people. (laughs) I did, too. And I, that troubled me. Like, yeah, I, I, like... I think it would bother me less if I knew that C.Y. Lee himself was Chinese, but I don't know that. <laughs> right. We kind of assume that, but we don't know that. Um, I, I don't know. I had some sympathy for the characters, even though I thought they were pretty, I mean, for the most part, pretty terrible people and naive in some very crucial ways. And that could be... Partially because they came to America not really knowing anything about it. They were fleeing for their lives. It's not like they made the choice to come to America because they could find a better job or they were going to college or something. They were coming because they didn't feel like they had a choice. Well, it was either stay in China and die (laughs) or flee and live. So they came to America not knowing anything about what it was going to be like and so being very naive about what the possibilities of life were here in in America. And so when I approached it from that point of view and just said, you know what, these people are really naive and don't understand the way life works here, then I started feeling a little more sympathy for them. Um, I had a hard time really adjusting to like the old, the well, the father in the book. He was very, yeah. I mean, like he wanted to be basically be back in China living his life. And it wasn't and isn't really possible for him to do that anymore. And so he had a lot of learning to do um, as being elderly. He was also very averse to change uh, because he was very traditional. And so he, it was very hard for him to make changes in his life uh, because of his sort of like closed-minded attitude about and, and closing himself off from possibilities that may exist for him and around him and new ways of thinking and being. And so I did feel a lot of sympathy for him, although most of the time I just spent being impatient with him. Like, dude, yeah, <laughs> you know, move along and get this new what was it? Back treatment or some kind of medical treatment? Like, stop going well, to this they, yeah, Chinese they needed, herbalist. He needed to go to a Western doctor. Yeah. It, no, it was tuberculosis or something that he had. Yeah. And so he kept going to this con man who sold Eastern herbs. Um, and it wasn't doing a, a darn thing for him. So at the end, we see him sort of drifting towards the Western doctor side of doing yeah. things. So he was but learning. That, but And then you had, like... The one thing I did think was interesting was that 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 in and I think this is this was true that like that there were so few women in Chinatown that that like those that were single kind of, you know, could have their pick of anybody. Yeah. And um, I did like that they that we saw the downside of that mm-hmm. um, from, from their perspective Um like, you know, they had the one girl who was just so, you know, like everybody that she, when she was with, uh, her Wong brother, Ka, Wong da, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was like, you know, yeah, everybody's her brother. And, and then he was her brother, you know, right. And, and then like, there's her friend who like, you know, really thought that, that 
that Wong Da should be into her, and he wasn't. She killed herself. Mm-hmm. Which um, I did did see that like since they made a musical out of that, that does not happen in a musical. <laughs> I was about to say. Hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's like they're definitely um, like it. It's pr- probably hard for women to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I did think though that like I wasn't entirely clear about the the end. Um, it just sort of stopped. Like you know, you have. Wang Jiang like going into the like opening the door of the western hospital Mm -hmm. but it's like you know it's still I guess maybe the part of me that likes um that that doesn't like ambiguity was like okay so are they going to ever reconcile with (laughs) like is is he ever going to reconcile with his son he clearly wants to right and then we Um, had the servants that stole the money and or whatever it was like where where, like you know the the, the satisfying climactic moment for them is that the deaf deaf one like beat his wife because Mm -hmm. he was told to i'm like uh okay (laughs) and she was stealing money or something from she was she stole she stole the clock. Oh, it was the she clock. Was That's right. Blame it on the new girl. The new girl that, that they brought in mm-hmm. that Wang Da fell in love with. Yeah, I, I did like them. They were they were mm-hmm. decent characters. Yeah, and I thought how extraordinary it was that you know Wang Da basically was very kind to them, just out of the goodness of his heart. And then because of that one act of kindness, bringing them into his home, basically, he ended up finding the woman that he fell in love with. So yeah. it speaks a lot towards the the Buddhist um, teaching of the, the random acts of kindness that, you know, just perform a random act of kindness. You never know where it's going to get you um, and what good things will come of it. Right. And so I thought that was pretty powerful. Um, it's kind of hidden in the book. I mean, it's not like they talk about it specifically but i i noticed it as i was reading because i'm on the lookout for those kinds of things uh and so um i guess i liked it but it was not one of those books that's like yeah this is my all-time favorite book <laughs> yeah it was certainly i'd certainly rather read more like that than more like a little life <laughs> yeah i felt like in parts it did drag despite not being very long it, yeah it kind of dragged a little too. bit and i but that said, um, I am glad that we that we picked it, and that uh, it was definitely uh, shorter than a little life. And this next book that you picked is shorter still. Uh, yes. Um, next month we're reading. We are reading Gentlemen Prefer Blondes by Anita Luce. Um, again, a book that was made into a movie. Um, twice, once with Mae West and once with Marilyn Monroe, which is the famous one. Uh-huh. Um, I. I read this book in college, so I, when I saw it on Bard, I was like, oh, we have to do this, because, you know, I, I didn't know that it had ever been done by NLS. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a class, uh, uh, like, it was like a feminism, feminism in, like, early modern cinema, and I did not realize that most of the class would involve silent movies. <laughs> Oops. That was a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> But and we didn't actually watch Gentlemen Prefer Blondes in the end. Um, 
but but we did read the book because our professor was doing his like doctorate on something about Anita Luce. She was like she was a screenwriter in the 1920s and mm-hmm. um she's just got this very like snarky way of like looking at people and and I'm not sure um how this is going to hold up because it's been like five years since I read, since I read it. Um, is this a nonfiction so like memoir type book? It is, it is fiction. Um, it is the story of a young woman who is trying to, trying to make her way up in the world. And she's a little naive, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she ends up, you know, getting, getting involved in all kinds of wacky hijinks. Okay. <laughs> And it's it's three hours and 40 minutes, and I remember that it was funny, so I hope it still is. I hope so, too. Um, speaking of things to do for next month, that's our homework. And what's our question for next month? So our question is kind of along the lines of when I was talking about the, those 10 books I read by the same author, and by the end, I was pretty much done with them. How many books by... Um, an author can you read before you just have to stop (laughs) (laughs) yeah what's your threshold limit there yeah Um, mine usually is not 10 (laughs) usually it's more like like three or four maybe mm -hmm. um i'd have a tendency to read like even if i'm really super into whatever i'm reading i don't i like when i read series i tend to always want there to be more Mm mm-hmm and so I don't always, I, you know, it's like sometimes I've, I've read the starts of really good series and I was like, and even now, like five years later, I have not read the next one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm the same way. And I, I know that when I read, I think my limit is probably at, at the most, I did read six books in a row by one author. <sighs> Simply because, and I'm trying to remember why this was, I think it was because I was borrowing the books from someone, and I borrowed them and scanned them and gave them back to him. And so he, you know, obviously they weren't mine, so I had to read them and scan them. Well, I had to scan them, and I thought, well, if I'm scanning it, I might as well be reading it to see if the pages scanned right and all this kind of stuff. So I, I would read them. And by the time I finished those six books, I was so wiped out with this author. I knew that I wanted to continue the series, but I wasn't certain whether I wanted to continue the series. And finally, I did. Um, and I finished it. And I also read two of the books in the following series. Nobody ever wants to read those. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> talk about it. But I think my max is six. I have... I, I do think, though, that if I read six in a row, that I have to wait years and years before finishing. I mean, like, I had to wait five years before I finished that series. <laughs> and then I did not read all six of them in a row. <laughs> they had all they had all been published, and I just kind of, like, wandered along and finished them yeah. at my own pace. Um, but I think my, my absolute max was, was when I read the Terry Goodkind sort of truth, and I read all six of them very swiftly <laughs> and then regretted it. I think that these days with so many different options for ways to read books, um, it's also a a lot harder for me to justify um, wanting to do a serious book glom because, like, I just keep thinking about, like, how I have hundreds of books on my Goodreads shelves. Exactly. (laughs) You know, that are to read. 
I have and, like a thousand and, Kindle books. I mean, literally, it's, it's yeah, insane. Yeah, I'm sure I do too at this point. And, you know, a lot of them were books that I got for free, so they're yeah. probably not that great. Me but. too. <laughs> Although, that said, I read a couple of free Kindle books that are really good. Hi, they're there. They're, they're there. You just have to really search for them. Yeah, you have to you have to do better at like getting samples than I. Than yeah, I, do. I just see it's free and go, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and I got Kindle Unlimited for myself this last month, and I'm gonna see if I can. I think I'm gonna keep doing it, and that mm-hmm. just doesn't help at all either. Like, no. oh, more freebies. Um, I got it, and then didn't find. I didn't really find time to take advantage of it because I'm just I'm too busy. <laughs> really to feel like I can justify doing that. So I didn't get it again, but that said, I've heard really good things about it. So let me know how you find your experience with that. Um, I still end up, and I think the reason that I download so many free Kindle books is because I get the e-reader IQ newsletter. Yeah, and that's what yeah, they talk about is Kindle books mm-hmm. and they have their free books at the top. <laughs> um yep. And I just end up getting most of them and putting them in there and then it just sort of sits there. And if I ever think about reading them, maybe I will someday. I don't know. (laughs) But that all being said, we need to wrap this up. We should. Uh, And if you want to answer our question about your book author threshold, rather, uh, email bhapodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our book Porter's Anonymous website, which is bhapodcast.com, or you can tweet us the answer um, at Book Hoarders on Twitter. And if you want to chat with us individually, um, you can chat with Erin. She's at Erin Edgar on on Twitter. Twitter. Um, And uh, I am at Bardsong on Twitter. And uh, I'm blogging a little bit more mm-hmm. so flightintofantasy.com is my blog if you want to check check oh, cool. that out um, and, uh, and if you want to check out the melting pot show on sunday nights uh on the phoenix from 7 to 9 p.m eastern you can do that by going to either netradiogroup.com i think we'll get you there or you can go to the-phoenix.net and check that out um i'm making a big change in the show starting next week so if you want to um, if you want to find out what that is, uh, you can either listen to my show, um, next week would be, um, July the 17th, uh, and, um, you can either listen to the show or find out what it is on the website. Okay. And with all that said, we're going to say bye-bye. Bye-bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow book hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.